Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Derek Van Deest. I'm with the Post Media Edmonton Sun, Edmonton Journal Sports Department. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to our sports podcast. Alongside me is Jim Matheson, uh, sports writer, um, covers the Edmonton Oilers. And beside him is Rob Tuchkowski, also a sports writer, longtime sports writer, covering the Edmonton Oilers as well. We're going to be talking about a number of different topics, uh, hockey related today. I think the first one right off the gate is uh, obviously with the Edmonton Oilers in the offseason and looks like they've been trying to make some moves and looks like they're going to bring in uh, a Swedish defenseman. I guess they're, they're, they're to be fair, they're, they're beating the bushes trying to find players because they're, they're kind of up against it salary cap wise when it comes to McDavid's contract kicking in next year. And Jim, what do you know about this Swedish defenseman and what can you tell us about him? And is he a guy that can make an impact next year? I don't know. I, he... Hopefully he's not Philip Larson or Denis Grebishkov or, or Anton Beloff or, you know, any number of European defensemen that they've tried to, to bring over on a one-year contract and hopefully they, they turn out to be a, an offensive player. I, you know, I, I texted Mike Zanier, who used to play in the other organization. He's the color commentator for the team that this Joel person plays on. He says he came out of nowhere this year and was on their first uh defense pair uh, most of the season and he puts up points he says I wouldn't jump off you know jump up and down saying he's going to be a, a star right away but he says he's got a, a, the ability to be an NHL player but whether that's right now or not I, I you know the only problem when they bring over these players is then it, it marginalizes the players you've got in your own team like Matt Benning mm-hmm. like Ethan Bear and this this guy is supposedly supposed to be better than they are just because yeah. he's coming from Europe and he was a pretty good player in Sweden, so I, I think it remains to be seen how good he is. But I agree with you. If he costs no money uh, and it's worth a one-year gamble, great. Well, Rob, we've been down this road before with this hockey team. They've brought guys over thinking that they could make an impact. And you know, you look at a V2, you look at the Grabeshkov second 2.0, I guess, and you look at some of those guys. They brought, they haven't worked out. What makes it? What's different about this guy? Yeah, nothing yet, and that's the thing. He <laughs> yeah. just ran through the list of guys where they've done this exact uh, uh, scenario, ran through this exact scenario with, it, and and it hasn't worked out. And furthermore, like if you're going to bring a person like that in, who are you going to play him ahead of? Out of if you know if your coach is already married to the six or seven guys that you have right here, 
uh, are you going to pull one of them out of the lineup for for this guy? Is he that good that he can displace somebody in your? And it would need to be top four because those types of players don't necessarily you know excel in a, in the bottom in a bottom pairing role. So you know, like you said, give him credit for for going out there and beating the bushes and try to and trying trying to find you know this diamond in the rough, but. In nine times out of ten, or nineteen times out of twenty, uh, these situations play out exactly the way you expect it. And this is just a guy from Europe who, you know, maybe had a good year, and uh, is a, is a long way from being a top four defenseman in the National Hockey League. Now, when you're bringing guys in over from Europe, obviously the, the level of competition isn't as high as the NHL. And another thing we talked about is the best players in the world are in the NHL. Um, you look at the goaltender they brought over, now this defenseman they brought over. But is this is, are the Oilers kind of married to this strategy right now because Connor McDavid's salary kicks in this year? Like, what is this? How? Well, they I don't, what does this mean now for that trading of that tenth overall pick for a, a right shot offensive yeah. defenseman? Is this guy supposed to be the answer? I don't see it. You mm-hmm. know, I and I agree with Rob. I think he's just kind of a replacement for Ovi too. Yeah, they're looking at him as you know an offensive player who might turn out to be okay. And I think it, it's maybe covering their bases in case Sekra, mm-hmm. his legs doesn't come around and they've got another defenseman who played pro hockey in Europe last year. Uh, you know, I, I, it almost looks like they're trying to um, get a, ahead of July 1st by making a couple of announcements. Okay, we're, sh- we're going to show you. We're going out to get some players now. Right. we got a defenseman. we got a goalie. And getting back to the goalie Koskin, and the more you think about it, I just have no concept why they're giving him two and a half million dollars a year for a for a goalie when there's going to be ten unrestricted free agent goalies mm-hmm. on July first who you might be able to sign for a million and a half, yeah, and save a million dollars. Um, but they're gambling that he's a you know he's better than any he's better than Carter Hutton. He's better than Kadobin, if he's if he's there, he's better than a, you know picking up Cam mm-hmm. Ward on a one year contract. He's better than Mrazek, you know, because Philadelphia's not going to qualify him. They're, they're gambling an awful lot on this goaltender. I hope he can play, but that also leaves them with Montoya, who's got to play in the minors now. If they can't trade him or nobody picks him up on waivers, and now he's going to eat up all the ice time in the minors. When you want to play young goalies in the minors to see how they are, do you, Rob? Do you see? Any sort of strategy here, or does it look like the Oilers are kind of just trying to fill gaps and fill holes and put fingers in dikes? And like, what what, what are they doing here? Is there where's the strategy here? It, there's, it seems like they're running some long gambles, hoping to hit a home run. Like you know, they bring a defenseman in that you know probably isn't going to make it. You know, but what if he does? What if he becomes this guy that nobody else saw, and, and the Oilers landed and brought him in, and he becomes this player? And same with this goalie. What if he? What if he emerges into? Not only a capable backup, but a guy who you know nobody else saw, and is suddenly you know Edmonton's starting goaltender for the next three years. And you know those are long shots, and I guess you know you, you can't say it doesn't hurt to take him because you're paying the goalie two and a half, mm-hmm. and you're and you're bringing in another player from from Europe. I mean, they did it with Ov two, and then they never played him. Like yeah. you put Ov two in, and he was a decent player. He could skate, he could move the puck, he kicked in some points when he played, and then he just sat in the press box the whole season. So. I'm not really sure. You know, there needs to be a, a connect between the coach and, and the manager in this situation. You have to give the guy an honest, an honest look. But I think they're just going for long shots right now, which is, I'm not sure. You know, why not just look at what is around the league? Guys that are proven, bring those guys in, make some crafty, shrewd trades, and, and go that way. Uh, right now, they're looking for the home run instead of the, uh, you know, 
to save base hits. What they don't want to do is they don't want to give away any players. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it looks like I hope they don't come back with the same lineup they had last year because, I mean, that lineup <clears throat> wasn't good enough. Yeah. So they're going to have to make some changes, you know, in terms of, of at forward anyway. You can't just go with the same 12 forwards and say they were all good and, and some of them had a bad year, mm-hmm. so it would be better. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure there's some people out there beating the bushes again for Benoit Pouliot because he'll be available on July 1st. <laughs> and the here. owners are already paying him $1.3 million <laughs> for the next three years. So, yeah, yeah give him another million yeah. and he can play on the fourth line. Yeah. <laughs> um, first things first with the owners, though, they need to fill out their coaching staff. And, and obviously the names have been out there, uh, Trent Johnning, uh, Gullickson. Um, <clears throat> what do you see? How is How do you see it coming together with this? Because I know obviously – McClellan's guy was Jay Woodcroft, and they they shipped him out. And I don't know how how tight he was with the other two guys, but I know that Jay Woodcroft was his right hand man. Now he needs another right hand man. Um, how do you see this playing out, Rob? Early on, with when it comes to the coaching staff, who's making that call? Who's making that decision of as to what coaches are going to be behind the bench next year? That's what I'm wondering because if if the, you just get rid of all of Todd's guys, this, is it now Todd's decision again to bring in his own assistants? Mm-hmm. I think it probably is is above Todd now that that uh, Shirelli would probably be the guy uh, making those calls. If you fire your coach's guys, then why would you give the coach the uh, the decision, the power to to bring in the new guy? So you know, I you know they wait until the summer when everybody's free and everyone and all the dust from the season has settled. And and I think you know again, I think they're going to want to bring in somebody who is. NHL ready if things go sideways 20 games into this season you know yeah. you don't want to be on a exhaustive coaching search at that point I think they're going to want somebody on their staff who you know heaven forbid if, if the Oilers are, are, are you know in last place again 20 games into the season that if they have to remove Todd <clears throat> that they'll have somebody on staff with the NHL experience who can step in and fill that role so uh, those guys Aren't, all, aren't always easy to get because they want head jobs right out of the yep. box. Yep. And so I think there's some, some negotiating and some talking that needs to go on on those fronts. You know, you can't assure the guy that he's going to be your head coach because the Oilers could go on a, you know, four or five straight winning seasons and then suddenly this guy's locked in as, your, as an assistant when he ultimately wants to be a head guy. So there's a little bit that goes into it on that front, but uh, I definitely think that they're going to have to have a more have a coaching staff that ha- that has a lot more experience on it, NHL head coaching experience. And there are guys out there. You mentioned Paul McClain. You mentioned uh, Gullickson has a whole, co- whole coaching experience. Perry Perrin's out there as well. There are guys out there, Jim, that they could bring in and help out this well, week. Well, Paul McClain worked for, with Todd McClellan on Mike <coughs> Babcock's staff when he won the Stanley yeah. Cup. So that's the connection there. And he's coached forwards before. So he hasn't coached with Todd before and as a head coach, but you know, and and Gullickson was a former head coach, and Trent Yanni was a head coach in Chicago. So yeah. the problem is, they're all older people. Do they not need one younger guy on their staff? Do they not go to Manny Viveros and say, right. "Look, yeah. we're hiring you, and we're putting you on our staff right now." Mm-hmm. And even Manny, you think he's a young man, but he's forty-seven. He's not. He's not thirty-five. Yeah. Thirty-five. He's forty-seven. So he's kicked around in Europe for a long yeah. time. But if you don't want to lose, if he, you think he's the best young coach out there, then you better go to him and you don't have the minor league job for him now because Jay Woodcroft's there, then you better put him on your staff. So I hes i don't think he's ready to be a head coach in the NHL, but he is a younger person. I think I really think the fan base in Edmonton wants to see somebody on the coaching staff who's younger yeah, and who who 
doesn't necessarily have any ties to the head coach working before. And, and maybe, as Rob pointed out, it's above Todd. I, usually what happens is the head coach gets to choose at least one of his assistants, and then if the, if the general manager likes somebody else, then the head then the head coach interviews that guy and sees how he gets along with the guy and 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 tries to hire him too. Yeah. Rob, you spoke with Manny Viveros, and this is a guy. If he goes on to win the, the Memorial Cup with Swift Current Broncos, mm-hmm. the smallest market in I think in Canadian in the CHL, is this a guy that that the Oilers now will, if they want him, they may have to pay for him because I'm assuming the the offers will come for him. Yeah, he's he's actually you look at his record and he's won pretty much everywhere he's been. He went over to Europe and he took you know a couple of teams to national championships. He's suddenly coaching Denmark at the Olympics mm-hmm. and and he's relating to young players. You know, he is he, like he isn't a really young guy, but he's communicating with seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year olds. So that'll put him in a good position. And yeah, if he comes in and all of a sudden rolls back in and takes Swift Current to Memorial Cup in two years, then suddenly it's just not like you know, oh thank goodness Edmonton, you're offering me a position. He might have a choice. So. You know Edmonton, the guys from St. Albert, so I think Edmonton would be a, a good landing yeah. spot for him. I think he would he would like that. But yeah, uh, he is his stock is is absolutely rising, and if he closes the deal at the Mem Cup, uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be in a really good position. I would go to him before the Mem Cup yeah. <laughs> myself and say yeah. we have a job for you because well, I think the other jobs would be coaching the minor league teams. Yeah. There's lots of those jobs available mm-hmm. right now. Lots of teams have fired their minor league coach and are looking for somebody to coach their minor league team. The orders are not because they have somebody, but that only leaves a, an assistant coaching job. And you know they had four, they had three assistants before. I don't know if they'll have three this time. I think they might just have two, and then a goalie coach. They had too many last year. When it comes to assistants with the Edmonton Oilers, I don't think Todd's ever have coached with a guy that ha- he has to look over his shoulder, knowing that if I get gassed, this guy mm-hmm. can easily step in. Which would be the case if Paul McLean showed up, if if Gullickson showed up, if, if an experienced NHL coach came and joined him on the bench, is that an, is that maybe some sort of uh, of issue, Rob? In your opinion, if 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 you're coaching with a guy, knowing that he's going to take my job if I don't get this thing going right away, I think it turns up the urgency everywhere. Like just this, just like you bring in a goalie to push your goalie, mm-hmm. it's it's uncomfortable. But yeah. I think it's in the long run. And if the players like Todd, and they don't necessarily, you know, Gullitsons can can be a, a bit of a hard case sometimes. If if they like Todd and they they can see plain as day that you know the 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 Grim Reaper standing right yeah. behind his shoulder. I mean that lights a fire under them as well. You know we like this coach. We we don't want this coach fired. We want to succeed. And I think just that urgency that that, that nothing's given and that you have to produce or it's over uh, is a healthy environment. It's uncomfortable, but it's healthy. How do you feel about that? Jim? Uh, I agree. Although it's funny with assistant coaches and head coaches, they spend so much time with one another mm-hmm. over a season. They all have to kind of get along. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're always together, always in video sessions, always eating together in the road yeah. and stuff. And if you have one guy that you perceive as maybe taking your job, and suddenly that might be a little uncomfortable. But I think Todd should be comfortable enough in his own skin by now. He's been a head coach in, in San Jose for, you know, about eight years, and now he's been here for three. He's been a head coach in the NHL for 11 years. I think he should be fairly com- confident in his own ability to, you know, do what he has to do. And and uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think you can hire coaches until after their contracts are up, and that's usually the end of June. Yeah. Even if a team has said we're not bringing you back, you're, you still get paid till the end of June. So I don't know if you can really announce a, a an NHL employed coach. 
yeah. until then. But in terms of Vibrios, yeah, we could think he could announce him tomorrow if he wanted to. <laughs> I think that would be a, yeah. a shot across the bow. He's going into the – like Chris Knobloch last year, yeah. he knew he was going to an NHL team yeah. during the Memorial Cup. It was just which team he was going to. Yeah. And uh, um, they waited. Philadelphia didn't wait too long, as I recall, when it was over to, to hire him. Moving on now to the uh, tours, looking towards the NHL draft, and obviously the dynasty is over, as you said, Rob. Uh, the Oilers aren't winning uh, draft lotteries anymore. So they're number 10, and it's unlikely they'll take number 10, right? Because number 10 doesn't help them this year. Number 10 helps them three years from now, and three years from now this could be a completely different staff. So what do they do with that number 10 pick, Jim? Start off with you. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think the, it, when it gets to 10, there's really only the top three players – a Czech uh, and a, uh, a Russian, Sevnikov and, and Dolan, the top three mm-hmm. picks, they can probably play in the league next year. Yep. And maybe this young defenseman, this Quinn Hughes, who's playing for USA in the World Championships, he's only 18, yep. an offensive defenseman. That's all, but that's only four, and the others are picking 10. So, yep. you know, if Ty Smith is there, say, from Spokane, an offensive defenseman in the Josh Morrissey mold, or, you know, there's a Finnish center who might drop to them too. They're not going to play in the league right away, so I, I still think you got to package it with something else. You got to give up the player mm-hmm. and the number ten, to look to a team that doesn't have a first round draft choice, and then say, okay, we want this, we'd like to get this player, or you expand it, you know, yeah. two for two and uh, throw in a draft pick, you know. I guess you, theoretically you could use the ten to move down, you know, you could use the tenth pick to, you know, maybe move to a player, you know, five or six that yeah. you'd like better, but. I just don't see him keeping it. I, you know, two more, two, three more years down the road for a tenth overall pick. I don't, I don't get it. What would you do with it, Rob? Yeah, well, in in a normal situation, you you keep the tenth pick and you you do know you draft a guy and you develop him and then four years. Oh, guess what? We've got a really good player in our in our situation, but they're not in. They need to win next season. They have to get something going next season. So they're going to have to mortgage a little bit of the future. Not a ton. It's ten, right? It's not two or three. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think they'll put the 10 and package it with somebody and bring a player who can help them right now because it's it's McClellan, it's Shirelli, it's all of those guys. If this team doesn't get it going next year with a tough start starting in Europe and coming back on an Eastern road trip, if they don't get things going next year, start winning next year, then everybody's job is on the line. And if, you know, if you're Shirelli, you do, you're not thinking, oh, maybe let's get a 10 in four years from now, he'll help us. You're thinking i got to win right now. I don't think they got the same patience, say, perhaps, as the no. Winnipeg Jets, yeah. Kevin Sheveldayoff, where he'd sold the fan base. And we're not trading any of these draft picks. We're just going to keep drafting, drafting, drafting. Now they've got tons yeah, look of at prospects. Winnipeg now. <laughs> tons of prospects because they've drafted very well. And, uh, you know, they sold the fan base and sold the owner uh, on patience. But I agree with Rob. This fan base is a little restless now. And Winnipeg didn't have McDavid either. They had Shifley and, and Wheeler and stuff, but they didn't have the supernova yeah. that people are looking at because how come you can't win with this guy? So yeah. I think the, the heat's on them to get, to improve now. And find a 25-year-old player. You don't have to find a 30-year-old player yeah. in a trade. Just find a 25, 26-year-old yeah. player who's got you know a couple of years left in his contract, at least two, and then see how it goes and sign him or... Let them go. But this always seems to be the case with the Oilers. It looks like they're dealing from a position of weakness here because yeah. everybody knows their situation. Everybody knows that Peter Shirley is in the hot seat. Everybody knows that all the coaches are in the hot seat. And everybody knows that the team has to win right away. They don't have the patience to win. So 
you could argue that they've lost their last three big trades when they started with with the trade for Riff, Griffin Reinhardt when they gave yeah. up a, a guy like Matt Barzell. And then you could argue that you know they may have lost the Taylor Hall trade because Taylor Hall may win the league MVP. And obviously the argument is they lost the Eberle trade. Now you're dealing in their position of weakness, Rob. And you have to make a trade for this, this 10 pick. But you can't afford to lose this trade, can you? No, no. He's, like you said, with a track record like that, he loses you know another big deal and this team you know, takes a wrong turn, then that's uh, that might be it. There's only so many, you know, uh, bullets in in, the, in those chambers, and you know, you've he's traded away, you know, some really key pieces and and didn't get what they wanted back in return for him. And now this number ten, he's got to make this trade work. And and like you say, from, from the other perspective, everybody knows that, and it is, it's a ten, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not a. It's not a four five. You know, three four five or anything. Ten is ten, and it's not. Everybody else knows the same thing that Edmonton does. This isn't going to be necessarily an impact player. It isn't going to be somebody that helps you right away. So you're going to trade that to a team that is that has a lot of time and has a lot of patience. So you're not going to push that team into a into a, a hurry up deal, right? They have they have time is on their side, whereas Edmonton is the exact opposite. We need to do something. We need to do something important right now. And when everybody else knows it, and the people you're dealing with are in a position where they can be patient, it's it's tough to swing that deal. The problem is too, they're not the only team looking for a right shot offensive defenseman. Yeah, everybody yeah. is right, or right. a right shot defenseman. Yeah, look, so is Toronto. Yeah, they want somebody to play with Morgan Riley. So there, and there's other teams. So they're not the only team trying to trade to get a, a offensive right shot defenseman, of which there are not yeah. a whole lot of them. So and they don't have, they don't have the players to trade. Yeah, off their own roster. Their three best players are they're not they're not going anywhere. You know, Nugent Hopkins and Mc, and McDavid and Dreisaitl. they're not going anywhere. So, and I don't think they would trade Darnell Nurse. No. So you come back to the same couple of guys, Clefbaum and yeah. and Clefbaum to me trading Clefbaum that's a apple that's a lateral. So you trade yeah. a, a good young guy with a nice contract who's not very old for somebody else who's about the same age. He sort of plays a little differently. And maybe makes a little bit more money. I, you know, I don't know if, if that makes a lot of sense to me. And they, you know, the forwards they've got, you know, the young forwards Kajula and and players, you know, of that ilk, uh, you know, you can package them, I guess. But I don't know what they're going to bring either. Yeah, well, I'd be, I'd be leery about getting rid of Clefbaum yeah. too, because like last season, everybody loved him. He had a great year yeah. last season. The Oilers had a great power play, and whoa, he took a step. Yeah, his shoulder was out most of the season. Mm-hmm. So okay, like. Maybe that's it. Maybe once he gets it all fixed up, he'll go back to being the cleft bomb. And he's got a great contract. He's a young guy. Uh, you know, you can't have too many of those players on your team. So if you send him away and all of a sudden he hits it and, and he becomes, you know, takes that next step forward, you know, that's, that's a, that would be a big loss. And, and again, you're not going to trade him for unlikely that you're going to be able to trade him for an elite number one right shot defenseman because those, those players command a lot. So the question is if cleft bomb can stay healthy, He's a good guy to have on your team at four million bucks. And you don't want to trade a guy that most people in the NHL consider no worse than a number three defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them think he's a two. He's not a one. A lot of people, if he's healthy, think he's a two and worse to three. So mm-hmm. then you're saying, we're going to trade, yeah, this young guy who's no worse than a number three defenseman on a nice four million dollar contract. That doesn't make a lot of sense. I think Puliyarvi is the, is the the possible. I yeah. mean, I they have to look at him and say, okay, what's this guy going to be? You know, is he going to be Patrick Laine? I don't think he sh- he scores anywhere near like Patrick Laine. Is he going to be a twenty goal, 
40 assist 60 point guy is he a first line player is he just a second line player I don't know I think the jury's still out and I don't think I think he got 13 goals last year and didn't play a whole lot of power play but that's you know it's not like he went from from uh, one goal to 21 and they said oh this guy's gonna get 40 yeah. you know 13 goals is still yeah. only 13 goals yeah they have the they have the ingredients that you know they could trade 10 and pull your RV to a rebuilding team that has a an elite defenseman I don't know how many of those situations are out there but there the the stuff is there to make a big trade but you know Shirelli's a little nervous because he's got you know he's lost some very important trades in in the recent history of this organization so he's got to be very careful because and another wrong move like that could could really set set the organization back a long way what he has to worry about is making a trade for trading Pugliarvi and as Montreal traded Sergachev was a young player yeah. and he's a better player than Drouin yeah so mm-hmm. and they thought they were getting a pretty good player back in Drouin but Sergachev is better yeah well if I was an opposing GM I'd what do you think of the thought of if I came up to you and said okay you're not going to trade Klopp on me that's fine I'll take Ethan Bear off you would you trade a guy like Ethan Bear? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pretty good right out yeah, of the exactly. box. Like right out of the box. Imagine him in four years. Yeah. And he's uh, he's a solid kid. You talk to him and he's, I mean, he works hard. He thinks the game hard. He's really committed. I would, I would, I don't think I would let that guy go yet. And Jim? Uh, yeah, I would trade Ethan Bear. Would you? Well, it depends what the yeah. team's offering. Yeah, obviously, obviously. I mean, you know, you've got Matt Benning. Yeah. And, and so you've got another right shot. Yeah. Younger, now I don't think he's as offensive minded right. as That's Ethan Bear, and I think Ethan Bear should play the whole year in the minors this year. He's yeah. only played thirty four games in Bakersfield, and then the games in Edmonton. I think he has to learn how to play defense. defense. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I think that should be a pro. He should be the project yeah. down there. He should say, okay, we're going to teach you how to play defense. Yeah. Well, Paul Coffey's not going to help in that regard, is he? Yeah. I don't know what's <laughs> how much yeah. defense did Paul Coffey play. Yeah, I, I never know. saw Paul Coffey around the rink, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. the, you, you always say you can't find these right shot defensemen around the league. You have to grow your own. Yeah. So you have a guy who, who knows, might grow into that. Yeah. Give him a chance to grow into that. Put him in minors for a full year. Yeah. Get him to play really solid defense. The offensive stuff is natural. That doesn't fade. Yeah. Uh, once he becomes a complete player, I think you, I think you might have something there. Let's shift our focus now quickly to the NHL playoffs. Um, Vegas, obviously, no one knew, no one expected this from from Vegas, and everyone is even throughout the season. Everyone has been waiting for the shoe to drop, and and okay, this is the team that's supposed to be with. It. But it, now there's quite a distinct possibility Vegas could go on and win the Stanley Cup. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the league, Jim? Uh, it's a bad thing for the other 30 owners yeah. and who are looking at their general manager says, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. You know, on the other hand, they did get, you know, $15 million from Vegas yeah. getting into the league, so they can thank Vegas for that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, think the, I think the greatest strength that Vegas has is resiliency. Mm-hmm. When push comes to shove, they seem to be able to dig in and say, okay, we're not losing again. You know, they lose one game, they don't lose two. You know, they don't lose two, they don't lose three. So I, they're very resilient. And they do have one really good line. Yeah. With Carlson and, and Smith and, and uh, Marcheseau. And, you know, it's, it's you know, probably not as good as line A and Wheeler and Connor or as good as that Boston line with Marchand and, and Bergeron. But it's pretty darn good. And they, they throw the puck around well. So they do have one good offensive line. They do have a good second line with with uh, 
you know, tuck and, and stuff like that too. And and they've got the guy in the goal. Yeah. And, and the guy in goal is there's not. I don't think this guy ever have a bad day. He's always got a smile on his face. He always looks like he's having fun. And he's he wants. To, it looks like he wants to show Pittsburgh that he can win without Crosby and Malkin yeah. and and all those guys. Well, he doesn't get the love that he should get. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the big all-time in, in recent history, one of the top money goalies. Like, he stepped in last year, cold, coming right off the bench. Pittsburgh doesn't win a cup if he isn't, yep. you know, if he, if he doesn't come off the bench and do it. And he goes to Vegas, and, and, and he's doing what he's doing there. And I've, I've picked Vegas to lose every series so far. <laughs> they, they still I – just, I just love that organization, the way they do things. Like, on the ice, in the arena, around the arena. They've been in the league for a year. And they do everything better than everybody else. Yeah. Like, all the Canadian teams can, can you know, harumph all they want and say, oh, we're, you know, we're, you know, the, the tradition of the game and we don't want to have all these fill. Bull. Any, any, any fan at Edmonton watching that Vegas game would say, I would love to be in that atmosphere. Yeah. Let's do that here. It's just laziness and you don't make any money off it. So Canadian teams, specifically Edmonton, don't do it. You could have stuff outside the arena, all these, you know, they have, you, you walk to that rink and, and you know, Matty was there. It's like a festival. There's there's concerts. There's stuff going all over the place. You know, the team doesn't make any money off it, but it just raises the the energy and the excitement around around it. And people walking by who wouldn't know hockey from a hole in the ground are like, "Hey, what's going on here? This is fun. Let's go see a game." You get them inside the building. Wow, this is incredible! And boom, there's your hockey fans. Yeah. You know, the Vegas has done just an incredible job right out of the box. I'm, I'm like, I love that organization. This team was given all the advantages that most expansion teams haven't been given uh starting with the way they set up the draft and you you know expansion teams don't get the best goaltender in the world and you can make an argument that uh, yeah. flurry is one of the best goaltenders in the world um you don't get 40 goal scorers on your roster you don't get players like that but they've also did it the right way when it comes to their coaching staff and and i think how much credit has to be you know, given to their head coach and their coaching staff for for getting this group of quote-unquote misfits putting them together and, and, and coming up with a championship team. Well, they certainly hired the r- right coach, and he was the right coach in Florida, too. Yeah. Those smarties out there didn't seem to know it and, <laughs> and turfed yeah. uh, Gallant. He's, a, he's, he's kind of a, in between a, you know, a, a guy coming right out of junior and yeah. a guy who's coached a long time. He seems to be able to relate to the, to the younger players and just say, go out and have some fun. And what he's done is he's kept lines together most of the year. And the players like that, you yeah. know. They, and if you play, he, he's a great believer in. If you play well, you're still going to play. And I'm not just changing the lineup because the guy sat out for a while. You know, I think everybody can play, but you you play the game. And if if it's over a period of time, you don't play well, and I got to take you out. But but most of his guys play, and the you know if the players like playing for the coach, it uh, you know it usually translates to uh, to winning. The series with Winnipeg, Rob, how do you see this? Last night's game, Winnipeg was all over them in the third period. It just looks like every mistake Winnipeg ma- makes ends up in their net. And then they end up when they end up chasing the game, that's when they get in trouble. I guess that was the case last night. They made a couple mistakes. It's in the net. How do you see this series playing out? Well, I th- I'm, Winnipeg is a power, and I thought they would. I thought this would be where Vegas really meets its match. But they're they're doing the same thing to Winnipeg that they do to everybody else. They just they swarm you. They they're relentless on the forecheck. You score on them, and then the next shift they come back with with a vengeance. Like they, you know, Winnipeg, you know, okay, we're back in the game, and then bam, bam, yeah. you know, Vegas is on top of them again. They're just a fast team, and I give that management credit when they were putting that thing together. It looks easy now in retrospect, but yeah. at the time they had nothing, and they have to, you know, do we want draft picks? Do we want young guys? Do we want old guys? How do we worry about the future? How like 
and identifying these players, like a, a lot of them have become good now. And in hindsight, oh, yeah, it's easy to just take, you know, Marshall Show and, no, and Carlson. You know, these guys weren't good where they were. They, they're, they're good now. So, it was, you know, at, at the time, it was, it was this blank slate with about 50 balls in the air that they had to juggle to, to balance the here and now and a couple of years from now. And they just did a masterful job of doing it. Yeah. And now, last one, I guess we'll just switch our focus real quick to the World Championships. Uh, obviously, uh, Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are playing well. Darnell Lush is playing well. Canada with a big win today over the Russians in the quarterfinal. Move on to the semifinals. Just your thoughts on the tournament, Jim. I don't know how much you've, you've watched it, but watching those two guys play together, obviously, there's going to be a lot of calls for them to play together with the Edmonton Oilers next year. Well, they better play together. <laughs> they look pretty good, and yeah. he looked good at the end of the year, Nugent Hopkins. And I know, I think. I think Ryan, we we could we kept beating that drum, you know, move him up, try to play him with. McNe- but I think the one guy who resisted was Ryan. I think he considered himself a center. Mm-hmm. He's always played center, wanted to play center. Yeah. But if you're going to be the third line center on this team, or you can be the first line left winger with McDavid, I think it's a yeah. no brainer. Yeah. And and he would he now gets on the first power play unit. He has he's back to you know playing with Connor and stuff like that. And I think. You know, he thinks the game like like Connor does, and, and as Leon does, and then uh, Leon has to take his own line now, a second line, and and uh, make it work. It's very you know you've got an you've got a six million dollar left winger in Nugent Hopkins and a twelve and a half million dollar center and an eight hundred thousand dollar Ty Ratty on the right wing, mm-hmm. and uh, those two guys better be buying him dinner because he can't afford it compared to them. So yeah. you know, but they do have you know two thirds of one line now. Mm-hmm. And now they have to find two thirds of a second line. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if Lucic got back to playing like Lucic, and then you could have a, you know, you could have two thirds of a second line too. But that's still up in the air. Well, Bill Peters, coaching Calgary Flames, actually has no problem putting those guys together yeah. and throwing them up there. <laughs> he's getting a good look at them right yeah, now. Yeah, he's doing Edmonton a favor, just <laughs> giving him some more, uh, you know, some more reps. But yeah, Nugent Hopkins looks like a first overall pick again. Yeah, like they were kind of wasting him, you know, a third line center role. He was a good two way guy, and you know, we don't, you know, just need to be good in his own end. And you know, now you can now the offensive side of his game is starting to blossom again. You know, as it often does with, with anybody who plays with McDavid, but. I, I do like that tandem, and he's a, like Nuge is a really smart player, and and over time he'll adjust to becoming a winger. Remember, this is a guy like he was saying that just played center his whole life. So for a guy who's been a winger for six months, he's looking pretty good at it. Uh, give him give him a little time in that position to you know figure out the nuances and as well as the nuances of playing with McDavid, and I think you could have a, a pretty you know uh, effective and long lasting tandem there. Uh, just to finish it off, uh, I just want some Scaling Cup predictions. Who's in the final and who wins the final? Rob, start with you. <laughs> Winnipeg. I, <laughs> I was picking against. You know what? You no, know, it'll be Vegas, and I think Vegas uh, versus Ovechkin and the Capitals would be a, a great series. I would like to see that because whoever wins, you know, I'd like to see Ovi win. That would be good yep. for Ovi and Barry Trotz. You know, a couple of good guys, and Vegas is Vegas. So I think that would be the dream final for me. Jim. Winnipeg and Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins that series? Then? Tampa. Tampa. I, I, I just I, I keep waiting for Washington. They yeah. they got them. You know they had them by the throat, and Tampa came back. Yeah. Guaranteed, Tampa wins the series if they win the game tonight. Yeah, definitely. Well, I go with uh, Vegas and Washington, and I think Ovechkin does win his Stanley Cup. I think it's important for him to have the one Stanley Cup at yeah. least to kind of cement his legacy as the one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for All your right. time, and uh, thanks a lot for tuning in. Thank you.
That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.